Hello, my friends. My name is Joe, and this is The Joe Martino Show. Welcome to lockdown day number whatever it is for you. I often think about these episodes, and I wonder when people listen to them in the future, uh, how we'll look back at this time. Today, I want to talk to you about what is the difference between reacting and responding, and what can our behaviors under time of stress tell us about how we reason. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Okay, so lots of things that we could talk about today. Obviously, we're still living in the time of quarantine, all the little statements, and, and it's you know we could talk about the different stressors that that's creating for people. Uh, certainly, what's going on with small businesses is something that's on my mind and people's income. A lot of government aid that has been promised has yet to be realized. People are going on their third and fourth week without work, and they're wondering, how am I going to buy groceries? How am I going to pay my bills? Uh, Am I going to be bankrupt when this is all over? And typically the response to that is something along the lines of, don't you care if people die? And, And that is not a helpful response. And we could talk about that. In fact, we are going to talk about that Uh, in a much broader sense, because what I want to talk to you about today is the difference between reacting and responding. Individually and as a society, what's the difference between reacting and responding? Because there's a lot of space between I want people to die and I'm concerned about how people are going to pay their bills or the depression that's coming. Uh, And I've seen it. I've heard it. I've heard people say, well, grandma's life is worth... uh, more than capitalism. They're doing it in such and such country. Well, okay, all of that's true. And and me personally, I have opinions on that, right? I don't live in such and such country. And I'm glad that I don't. I, I want to be really clear about that. I think there's a lot of things that could be improved here in America. But I'm glad I don't live in Finland. Or, or like I'm reading a book right now, and he talks about Iceland and how they did these different things. And he wonders why they don't do them here in America in one chapter. And then in the next chapter... He deals with the problem of scalability, which is something that works in a small country may or may not work in a big country. And he just kind of forgets the last chapter. And I find that frustrating because we're not responding, I don't think. I'm afraid we're too often reacting. Just today I read a news article where a guy was arrested in front of his six-year-old daughter for uh, not socially distancing from her. Well, they live in the same house, so they don't actually have to socially distance. And then the next day, the police department was like, whoops, uh, I, I know someone who was at a grocery store with her daughter, and the daughter said, uh, or, or the cashier refused to check them out until they socially distanced her from her daughter. Now, her daughter's an adult, but they live in the same house. And some of you right now are flipping, oh, well, the order says only one person. Actually, the order doesn't say that. It's recommended, but that daughter has disabilities that require help. And that is something we're going to have to think through. How are we reacting? Now, you could still come on the other side and say, well, the daughter shouldn't have been there. Okay, fine. What about single parents? How are they supposed to go shopping? They can't bring somebody over to watch their kids. 
Do you want them to just lock their kids in their car while they go shopping? Does that sound like a viable response? And I get it, we're scared. I do. But we have to sit down as a society and we have to start looking at how we're reacting and we have to shape those reactions with responses. When I was in grad school, I was taught about what's considered three levels of thinking. Reactive, reflective, and then moral reasoning. Now, when I teach this to clients, and I want you, if you're listening to this where you can, write those down on top of each other. Reactive, reflective, and then I want you to draw a dotted line, and then underneath the dotted line, I want you to write the number three and write moral reasoning. And the reason there's a a dotted line there is because to some extent, moral reasoning is something that everybody views a little bit differently, that we all have different morals Uh, I believe that there is such a thing as objective truth. There are people that would say there is no such thing as objective truth. It's totally subjective. There's only my truth. I have to live my truth. I have to hear my truth, et cetera, et cetera. I personally don't believe in that. I believe that there is such a thing as objective truth. Uh, But even in that, in the room, I often tell people, what I believe about the world doesn't matter. It's what the client believes, and that helps them to process who they want to be. And then they can check that against whatever their moral values are, their moral reasoning. And so as we, as we delve into thinking, it stands to reason that actions follow thinking. The reactive thinker, they just do things reactively. It's always fun for me to look at the uh, signature on the computer of my fingers snapping. But they just snap and... And, and, and they do it. They think it, they do it. They think it, they do it. They don't really think about the consequences. It's just a reactive thought. Reflective thinking is someone who thinks through the consequences and, and says, okay, I am not sure that I want the potential consequences that could come with it. We don't do a lot of reflective thinking in our society. Sometimes we overthink. I have a client whose favorite saying I think is... Uh, uh, analysis by or paralysis by analysis is what he says. And, and so he feels that we overthink as a society. But by and large, and I've said this before, I, I often feel like we are addicted to doing something regardless if it's actually doing anything. And so as that runs its way out, as that progresses, uh, one of the things we have to ask ourselves is are we reactively thinking or are we reflectively thinking. Now, here's the thing. I I often do it with a a bank robbery. A person walking down the street looks at a bank, and if they're caught in reactive thinking, oh, I had to just go in and steal the money. Maybe they go in and steal it. Most people get to reflective thinking, and they think, I don't want to rob the bank because I don't want to go to jail. That's reflective thinking. A potential consequence of robbing a bank is I could go to jail, and I don't want to go to jail, so I don't rob the bank. That's not the same as moral reasoning. Moral reasoning is, is I don't rob the bank because it's wrong, right? And, and, and then once we kind of go through that, I talk about, let's talk about affairs. As you might imagine, as a relationship therapist, I deal with a lot of affairs. The reflective thinker doesn't do the affair because they're afraid if they get caught, they'll get divorced. The person in moral reasoning doesn't do the affair because they think it's wrong. It's not whether or not they could get away with it. It's the fact that they think it's wrong. This is an important distinction. In fact, one of the problems that I have with most modern parenting and perhaps parenting forever is that most parenting is designed to teach reflective thinking, not moral reasoning. We don't teach kids to reason. We teach them to reflect. 
And that's a problem because then when all of this stuff hits the fan, we start reacting, we're not responding. Because our bodies are designed to react. One of the things that our bodies are designed to do is to react in a time of crisis. Our fight, flight, or freeze mode. I've talked about this in the past. Your body is designed to shut down all non-essential functions and move or, or stand perfectly still or in worst case scenario, fight. This is crucial understanding because we can actually reshape our reactive thinking utilizing moral reasoning and reflective thinking. And if we can shape our reactive thinking, we can shape our reactive behaviors so that they are responsive behaviors that best reflect our moral reasoning. Because moral reasoning is where we determine what type of person we want to be, what type of person we are. And one of the things that I am watching is people just tearing each other apart over differing opinions. It's before this virus. I really feel like this virus has highlighted this, though. People just being mean to other people because they're afraid. Or people being kind to other people because they recognize they're afraid. It's not creating new people. It's just showing who people really were and are. And that's a moral reasoning statement. I agree. But one of the things that we have to look at is, are we responding? Are we reacting? And what's the difference? A reaction is not thought out. It's just, bam, there it is. A response is thought out. It's trying to bring our actions in line with our own reflective thinking and our moral reasoning. So when people get mad, I, I, in fact, I have this conversation with clients all the time. I'm less concerned about them actually feeling anger and more concerned about what they do. How do they behave in the time of anger? How do they behave in the feelings of anger? When people are afraid, how do they behave in the times of being afraid? One of the things in today, I, I put up a, a post on my own Facebook wall and I asked, is this the type of world we want to live in? It's a story about a father who got arrested in front of his six-year-old daughter for not uh, socially distancing from her in public. Well, he lives in the house with her. They were out at a park walking around and he wouldn't go more than six feet away from her. So he got arrested. And somebody who's actually a really kind person, uh, a very kind person, said, no, this isn't the type of world I want to live in. I don't want a world where people don't follow the laws during a time of pandemic. And pandemic was capitalized. To which I responded, well, the only thing is he wasn't breaking the law. That's why 24 hours later, the police station that arrested him was like, oops, sorry, we overreached. And she wrote back very graciously, oh, I missed that. It was only a 35-word article. How do we miss it? And I know some people are going to be like, Joe, you're being mean. No, I'm not trying to be mean. That's purposely why I I didn't bring up her name. And I want to say it again. I actually really think the person's a very kind, very empathetic person who cares about the world around her. But she missed it because she reacted because she's afraid or she's frustrated. I don't know what her emotions are. I don't want to guess. But she wants to get back to work. She told me that. So I'm gonna, I, I can say that with certainty. Or she wrote that, right? And what's happening is, is as this goes longer, we're getting more and more frustrated. And we're, the more frustrated we get, the more our actions are becoming reactions. And reactions aren't thought out. So they either need to be shaped ahead of time and or they need to be evaluated post-time. And so let me explain that what I mean by that. I think we need to purposely think through what are our behaviors when we are stressed? What are our typical behaviors when we're stressed? And do they match up with who we want to be? That's the essence of moral reasoning. That's the essence of 
beginning to shape a response as opposed to a reaction. And then after an event, we have to evaluate it. Did we respond the way that we wanted to respond? One of the things that we have to decide is how are we going to live life? I think it was uh, Francis Schaeffer who wrote the book, How Should We Then Live? Uh, which you can read or not read uh, if you study the history of him and Frank, his son. Uh, very interesting uh, portrayal of humanity there. But what are your core beliefs about how you're going to live your life? What does it mean to be human in a time of crisis like this? Uh, I think last week I talked a little bit about Viktor Frankl and his book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, and how he endured and survived uh, the death camps in Germany, and how what he discovered about people was that the death camps just highlighted who they really were. And so the question for us is, who are we really? Are we a person or are we people that respond or do we react? Because I see a lot of reactions right now and they're not good. And, and I, you know, I debated, I could go on here. There, there are, I am sure, a lot of responses that are good. But, but let's just go through it. Identity politics. When was the last time two people had a conversation about politics that didn't go rogue? I don't, I, I, I actually was a part of one yesterday. I take that back. I was just about to say, I don't know. I had one yesterday. I was part of one yesterday. I, 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 there's probably three or four people involved and we all share different values and yet we all disagree on some pretty significant things as well. And it was a profitable conversation. But by and large, I don't see those conversations happening. Why? Because we just get to the place where we react. Yesterday, after that conversation, I had another conversation with someone where I was, uh, I was, I was, I was feeling angry. And, you know, later I run it through, I'm like, well, okay, so I was feeling angry, but what did I do? And this is the essence of responding versus reacting. What did you do? What did you say? Because getting angry is just part of life. And, and sometimes, and somebody wrote me, and they have some, some topics that they'd like me to address in the future. Uh, by the way, if that's you and there's something you'd like me to address, feel free to email me directly. You can email me at joe at joemartino.com. You can uh, get me on Twitter at Joe Martino. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Joe Martino Counseling. Uh, my webpage is joemartino.com. You can click on the Contact Me page. And they wanted me to talk a little bit about how do we respond to people who have hurt us, betrayed us, those types of things. And we, and we still are in a place of life where our paths cross. And, and that's coming. That'll be down the road. But in situations like this, are you reacting? Are you just sharing information that you haven't vetted for truth? Are you just pointing fingers? It's really interesting to me uh, in this situation, all my liberal friends blame all my conservative friends, politicians, and all my conservative friends blame all my liberal friends, politicians. And nobody steps back and says, maybe they're all just making mistakes and maybe they're all just doing some good things. There has to be a balance there. And when I say there has to be a balance there, I mean on us. We have to balance how we perceive them, how we process them. I believe, here's a core fundamental belief of my life. Human beings are beautiful, complex, broken messes by and far. And so when somebody does something that's infuriating, 
You have to stop back and make part of your reflective thinking what part of their brokenness is going on that they're doing this thing or what part of my brokenness is going on that I'm doing this thing. Uh, If I'm really honest with you, there are parts of this quarantine that are really hard on me and it's just hard to not want to snap at people. But that isn't who I want to be. That would be a reaction. You know, I usually talk about this in light of our spouse or our children. A lot of times people say to me, well, I don't know how to talk to them. And what they mean by that is I don't know how to talk to them so that they don't get mad. And if you've been around for any amount of time, you know that I believe in the circle and the square. And so I always say, well, the good news is you don't have to worry about them getting mad at you because that's on your square. You don't have to you don't have to worry about what they do because you don't have any control over that. But what is on your circle is, are you talking in a way that reflects your deepest core values? And we won't always get this right. There's going to be times where we make mistakes. There's going to be times where we respond poorly, where because of a lack of reflection, we yell, we say names, we do things we wish we hadn't. And that's when you go and you make it right and and, and you process and you gain skills and you gain data for the future. The challenge in this is consistently coming back to who do I want to be? Do I want to be a reactor or do I want to be a responder? Because like uh, last week, it might even have been last Wednesday, last Wednesday or Thursday, uh, a friend of mine who lost his son last July, July 24th, I believe put up on Facebook, hey, instead of all these memes complaining about your kids being home, why don't you just enjoy every minute because they might be gone before you know it. Another friend of mine who lives in Philadelphia uh, wrote something along the lines of he didn't like that. He found it tone deaf. So I responded to him. Well, I kind of find your response tone deaf because the guy who wrote this that I'm quoting, because I took a screenshot and posted it as a picture, Uh, I feel like Facebook's the only way we're communicating right now. Facebook, Zoom, uh, Marco Polo, etc. And and so I put a picture up and I told myself, I find your response a little tone deaf because the guy who put this up lost his son last summer. And he is not an empty nester, as you put it. That's right. My friend from Philly, his name's Nathaniel. He said, uh, you know, some empty nester scolding people who are struggling. He's not an empty nester scolding anybody. He's lamenting. And then Andy, uh, Andy, and then Nathan and Nathaniel and I went back and forth, and we talked it out right there for the whole world to see on Facebook. We responded to each other. A couple times he said, fair enough. I don't really know what that means in his context. So I said to him, what does that mean? I feel like it's dismissive. I've never known you to be dismissive. So could you tell me what that means? And he graciously did. And we went back and forth. I don't know, 25, 30 comments. And we solved it. Uh, The next day, Nathaniel actually called my friend Joe, who lost his son. And they talked on the phone. Now they're Facebook friends. And if we ever get uh, freedom again to move, who knows? Maybe we'll all get together and have a barbecue uh, somehow, some way. And somebody got on there. I don't remember who. I think it was my friend Randy. And he said, that's how arguments should go. And I agree with him. And look, there's times where certainly I probably have arguments that don't go that way. But that was an argument that went well because we both responded 
to each other. We responded to what we were seeing and what we were feeling and what we thought the other person was feeling. We didn't react. Because reactions are about safety no matter what. And reactions to, for safety no matter what sometimes create more situations that are more unsafe. And so in this time of crisis, I honestly, I could care less if you come out of this with a new gig, a new side hustle, a new skill developed, if, if you homeschooled your kids or you didn't homeschool your kids. You didn't do any of it. If you come out of this and the only thing you did the entire time was put on sweatpants uh, and take them off and put them on, whatever, I don't care. I'm not judging you. I promise I'm never going to judge you for how you respond to this distress. I am going to take a long look, though, at how you treat other people, always. And yeah, even people who are mean need grace. Right? Like the guy that I was fired up with yesterday, there are some things in his life that I, I realize as I look back at it, okay, he hooked onto this sentence, and, and he kind of fixated on it, and, and there's some things in his brain that caused that to happen, so we live with it. Right? And then there are other people... They're constantly, you know, looking out their window, who's violating the order. One of the things that's going on is because we have a misconception that if everybody just stays home, the virus will die. That isn't quite how it works. Uh, uh, I just read today an article, and I've got to verify some of its sources before I put it up, but essentially the author said, look, I'm an expert on Sir Isaac Newton. Please stop putting up that he discovered all these things during a time of plague. It's not only true, it's dangerous. Uh, and, and he goes on, it's a very long article, so I, but I want to I go check some of his sources before I put that up. We're just looking to make sense of what's going on around us. We're looking to make control of things, and we're not responding. There are things, there are opinions that I hold that, believe it or not, I don't share in a public forum. Well, in fact, I've actually had somebody say to me, why do you not have the courage? And I'd like to think that I have the courage to share my opinions. But responding says, is sharing my opinion in this going to somehow detract from my overall mission? And if it is, I don't share it. That's responding. Going through, and I talked about this in the past, a good couple lenses, is what I'm about to say necessary? Is it said in the most gracious way possible? Is it truth? Right? Is it, is it necessary is it gracious? Is it truth? Just going through those three lenses is a great start. Is it productive would be a great fourth lens. So I don't really argue with people on Facebook too much. I had a fun conversation, like I said yesterday, with a guy that I found to be pretty reasonable in the past as far as discussions go. In fact, I even told him then, hey, this was fun. I got to get to work. Right? When you respond, you think through the consequences of what you're doing. That's that reflective reasoning piece I was talking about. When you respond and you think through the reflective reasoning piece, the consequences, it's not just how will I feel in this moment, but you might reflect and ask yourself, what are other ways to take what this person is saying, what this person is writing? Like I said earlier, Something I've been very aware of and very thinking of, very much thinking about is how are single parents supposed to go to the grocery store? You know, and, and I, yeah, okay, so we could talk about the single mom that has a 16-year-old at home and an 8-year-old. She can probably leave them home. What about the one that has a 5- and a 3-year-old? 
or a one-year-old and a three-year-old. And, and you could run down the whole judgy path about, well, why is she a single mom with a one and a three-year-old? But that says more about your humanity than hers. So how is she supposed to go to the grocery store? How is she supposed to get them out of the house? And, you know, I get it. it it's, this is a scary time. There are people that are terrified. Anxieties are through the roof. One of the ways, one of the ways that I think one of the least valued and most overlooked ways to handle anxiety is to be a reflective reasoner, is to think through, what am I afraid of? How likely is that to happen? What are the consequences to me responding to something that isn't very likely to happen? Do I have any control over it? It's it's using your brain to, to create pivot points of thought to help you work through your anxiety. And look, my wife and I were just talking. We did lunch today, and we were just talking about the anxiety that we're facing. How are we paying these bills? This money isn't coming in. As a small business owner, our money went from a decent cash flow, right? We, had a, we knew our cash flow, at least we knew what it was, to almost nothing. And the government's help has been non-existent to this point, regardless of what the media tells you. That's anxiety. And so you have to process through. You have to use reflective reasoning to handle that. It's not a cure-all. It's not the only tool. It's not the tool that to end all tools, but it is a tool that we have to engage. We have to start being people that respond rather than just react. And responding creates boundaries for our actions so that our actions represent and reflect who we want to be, who we believe we should be, what we believe is right. And I believe it will launch a revolution around our country and our world of people being people who help other people in the best and the worst of times. All right. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you're staying safe during this time. If you haven't picked it up already, I would encourage you to pick up my book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. You can find it wherever fine books are sold during this time of quarantine. You can download it. Uh, via Kindle, or you can order it from Amazon or any other bookstore that delivers, should deliver it to you. Uh, Kindle, because of the contract I have with Kindle, I cannot put it on any other ebook platform currently. Uh, I'm not sure. I forget when that contract ends. I just renewed it a few months ago, so I'm not sure when that ends, but we'll work on that. I do want to hear from you. If you have questions, please email me, joe at joemartino.com. Or feel free to reach out to me on my webpage, joemartino.com. Just click on the Contact Me page. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.